Hey everybody, we're here on the Founder Hour podcast. This is your co-host Posh. I'm Pat. And we're here with Dr. Jason Wersland. Jason, thank What's you so up, much. What's up guys? Not Thanks much for being is up on. right now. Not much is up, but I know something's going to be up as this podcast goes along. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. I could just Thanks for it. making the journey over here. Yeah, thanks oh, for having it's us. It's great. Yeah. Well, it's great when it's after work because the commute's much easier, but if it was like at 5 p.m., it would be a disaster. So we were great. It's fun. So what we like to do is we kind of like to begin with your backstory, where everything started before where you are today and, you know, young Jason. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Did you grow up in L.A.? Did you grow up elsewhere? What were you like? Uh, I actually grew up in Utah, uh, but I've been here. I moved here in 2000, moved to Los Angeles in 2001, um, came to go to chiropractic school. Uh, prior to that, uh, I, I'm the oldest of a large family of seven. Wow. Uh, I think last count I had 29 nephews and nieces. Wow. Wow. Try that out for size. Um, Try that out for running out of money at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know, right? Everyone. Yeah, yeah that, our family has these drawings, thank yeah. God, or we, there's no way half my no. nephews and nieces have presents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, played sports, was active. Um, I think part of the important, one of the important pieces of my backstory is I grew up, our family had a farm. Um, so I spent a lot of summers and springs out there doing things you do on farms. Milking cows. Milking cows and branding cows and castorating cows. I mean, I could go down the list of things, artificially yeah. inseminating cows. Wow. <laughs> Try that one on. Yeah. Um, so I, I started doing, I was doing that when I was growing up, spent a lot of summers. My, my parents are Norwegian, like I mentioned. And so there's the, that immigrant side as well. Did they come here from Norway? Yeah. Norway? Yeah, yeah. So I think as I, as I went through life, I, I, I decided what I wanted to be when I grew up, after I grew up. Okay. So at the age of 30, I actually moved to California. At 29, I moved to California to be a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. But before that, what was your path? Like what path uh, were you on? Yeah, good question. When I was, when I was my, my father was in the flooring industry. So carpet, tile, um, hardwood, all that stuff. So growing up, I worked in a warehouse and rolled carpets and me and mm. my brother, that's all we did. We, and then I learned how to lay carpet and then I started installing carpet. And then I was handy and learned how to do hardwood and tile. And, um, I'll brag a little bit. When I was 27, 28, I started a business mm-hmm. with at the time, uh, a brother-in-law of mine. And we actually did really well. We ended up winning awards for, one for a staircase that we made in a really nice house uh, in the mountains in Utah. And then I did one, we won one, this pine flooring that I decided to make for flooring. And people told me there's no way it could happen. And it did. Like so, one of those things you would like pitch on Shark Tank? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought that's definitely not scalable. Yeah, no. No, 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 no that's the first thing they'd ask. Don't scale, so. <laughs> they do? That's, uh, isn't that's that why like I've never been on Shark yeah. Tank. Paul Graham, like, Paul Graham says, yeah. do things that don't scale. Yeah. Wow. When you first, so when you first when start. When you first start, oh, do things you first that don't start. scale. And yeah. then when you get to that... the level that you should scale, figure out how to scale. Yeah, he founded <laughs> well, Y Combinator. that makes sense. Which... That's kind of what I did. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, that's kind of what happened. I, yeah. I think there's the, there's the part of that story is <clears throat> I was you, I learned at a young age to be handy and resourceful. You know, you don't, you grow up on a farm, you don't have a Home Depot. So it's not like you drive down and buy the tools there. So, so that was, I think what else would be interesting. Did you, did you enjoy that process? Did you enjoy those years of like working on a farm or, and after that, like doing the whole flooring and carpeting stuff? Yeah, I was having fun. 
I enjoyed what I was doing. And I think money obviously drives us like we were talking about yeah. a minute ago. Um, and, and I enjoyed the ability I had to be able to generate revenue as fast as I needed to. Mm-hmm. And then when I was installing carpet, there were days I'd take off and I'd go water skiing with my buddies. And cause I really didn't have to report to anyone when no. I was doing that. Um, you'd get a big house, one level would be ready and the bathrooms would be ready at a different time than the downstairs. And so you'd yeah. have ties off. And so, yeah, I'd had a lot of fun. I mean, I could go on and on about stories from those yeah, days. Yeah. What's the most interesting story from those days that comes to mind? Um, some of them started, we're actually here. I moved to California and worked, my, my dad had a, a store here in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there. That's when I really got to have some of the really good stories. I was, I was laying, I was installing hardwood in a cabin in Colville, Utah. Mm-hmm. And I heard someone outside and I was kind of freaked out a little bit because it was kind of early in the morning yeah. and I was clear up in the mountains um, I think my son was with me at the time and I walked out and there's a moose literally standing oh outside God. the door. Um, and you hadn't seen, like, had, had you seen like moose? Not up close? there. Yeah. No, <laughs> not like that. I mean, I'd seen him in Norway, but they're in Norway all over the place. I walked out and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. And even I, I literally shut the door and I was a little freaked out. Like they going to just knock the door. Just down? let it go. Or like... He was super chill. Just kind of walked around. <laughs> hey, you guys I have went a, to a window. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I see humans, you have food. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't think really of anything else yeah. other than that. I mean, so when did that kind of point come? Um, when you're like, I can't do this anymore. I got to move. I got to go into something else. Oh, wow. Deep question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I started looking around me after my first child and I, I was seeing people that were doing things that I would be doing in 20 years. And I didn't like that. Mm. I didn't like the sales of the flooring. I didn't like how hard these guys still had to grind. I mean, lifting carpet and tile and hardwood out of your truck and taking in houses. And those are just things I wasn't, I didn't enjoy, but I've, I'd always wanted to be a chiropractor. There was always kind of this thought in the back of my mind. But why? Uh, the, my, my dad's best friend when I was really young was a chiropractor. And I remember going to his office and watching how he would work on people. And that was just fascinating to me that he could use his hands and he didn't have medications. He was able to relieve pain from people and it just really stuck with me. And so I, I remember I played a lot of soccer and rugby when I was growing up. So I sprained an ankle one time and my dad took me to see this guy and he made it go away. And I just remember thinking, my gosh, this dude's amazing. Um, coincidentally, the chiropractor for the Utah Jazz moved next door to us when I was uh, like a freshman or a sophomore in high school. Okay. Super the cool Curry dude. Sloan days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. John Stockton, Carl yeah. Malone. Greg Ostertag? Greg was a little bit later than that. Yeah. 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 That was a great team. Uh, He was the coach for Byron Russell. Byron Russell was a little bit late with that. These are like the Chicago, Utah years. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like the best. Yeah. My my favorite times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Hornacek. Yep. Yep. Trying to think of some other ones. There was a guy that that I remember. My dad used to sing the national anthem (laughs) at the songs of the game sometimes. We'd go. But I, I got to know him and I really started picking his brain a lot. Uh-huh. Like, what do you do? And, and he, he was creating at the time this thing called MAT, which is muscle activation technique. Hmm. It's a little bit like trigger point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started working with a guy who was the head trainer for the Denver Broncos at the time seemed million miles away from me. Yeah. And I was really fascinated by what these guys were doing. And I saw he had horses and John Stockton and Carl Malone would come and ride his horses with him. And they, 
literally bring their horses into our backyard and we'd get to talk to them. And the whole thing just seemed thought, this is amazing. The guy yeah. knows the body, which is something I've always been fascinated by. And he also works on athletes. Give me more of that. Yeah. So that's kind of where my head was. And I thought, uh, I went through a terrible time. Uh, I actually uh, met a guy uh, who actually embezzled a bunch of money from me, uh, over 100000 This and is when you had your business? When I had my business. Right. Um, and so I literally was back down to zero. And I thought, mm. okay, start over in life. What do I want to do? This is a chance to go be a chiropractor. So mm. went through a divorce. Lost my business. Okay. Um, was down to nothing, literally. Was living at my parents' house. Um, was pretty low. And I thought, you know what? I need to rebuild. Yeah. And I've got to do something. If I'm going to rebuild, I need to do something that invests in me, that I can have, that I don't have to work, that I can use my brain, that I can. And so I thought, you know what? Let's do this. Do you think things would have been different if those things didn't happen? Like if you weren't at that point in your life where you're like, I yeah, have nothing to lose. No, now. for sure. If my business would have been flourishing, I probably wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been a reason really. Right. And so, you know, like anyone else that goes through those times, thank God they happened. Um, I, I always felt sort of, I always knew that I had the ability to be successful. I just realized I wasn't doing it the right way or something. And you just weren't on the right path to be. Yeah, and that's what was frustrating me more said, than like, anything. Yeah, you saw like where the path was leading. Like you saw people that were 20 years your senior, what they were doing in the same industry. And you're like, yeah, I'm not on that path. Yeah. I don't want to be on that path. Yeah, that's not yeah. the path I want to go on yeah. for sure. Did you think that that idea that you were going to be successful, was that just some sort of innate thing or was it? your work ethic combined with your motivation that made it seem that way? I don't know. I, I think what you said sort of resonates with me, and, and I it's crazy. I've done so many of these, and I've never had anyone ask these questions, so I'm kind of going to a place I've never right. been before. Yeah. So We try to make it different. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> it's working. I, I, for me, I think... I remember when I was younger experiencing heartache and pain, mm -hmm. you know, things growing up and, and my father wasn't the, the best with me. And I remember thinking there's more to this mm -hmm. and I would feel it inside. And I, I felt like it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. And I kept thinking, what is that? And I, to answer your question, I think innate is the easy answer, but it's the most appropriate answer. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember looking for the answers. My mom, my mom made me this little cutout piece of paper uh, that I had on my my window, my mirror in my bathroom. Like when I was in high school, I remember this, and it said, "I can accomplish anything." Hmm. And I remember always seeing that. My mom put it on my window or my mirror, and even now, as as adults, it makes so much sense to me. But yeah. then I was like, Mom, why you put that on my mirror? I don't want yeah, that on yeah. my mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where you were from, like the, the town you were in, like did it feel like you were in a bubble? Like was it common 100%. for people to like not get really just kind yeah. of go with no. the, what they, path they it, were given? Most people I mean, I grew up Mormon. So they mm -hmm. you you grow up, you go on a mission, you come back, you get married at twenty one, and then you live in that city and yeah. you know, it it all the stuff that goes with the bubble world. Mm -hmm. And I think just you check the boxes of all the ingredients you need to be able to have that world, and that's what happens there, which is another sort of blessing to have gotten out of that. And yeah. then looking back, I've grown more in the last 10 or 12 years than I did my whole life before that hmm. um, because of the things you're exposed to, 
the learning, just so many different things. Um, yeah, it's amazing what can happen when you when you're on the path that you want to be on, right? You know, like everything changes. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that, like, you know, the reason why we kind of like the, what we've done with this podcast, and we try to go a little deeper, and the whole the reason why it's called the Founder Hour is like because we focus on the founder, and obviously we touch upon what they're working on now eventually. But we like to see how people relate to one another, right? Yeah. Because I guarantee you, people that are listening to this podcast when they're listening. 90% of them are going to have that same exact feeling that they had even just once of like, we felt like we were on the right path. So something has to happen. Right. Yeah. But I think, and that's why we interview folks that are in it right now, as opposed to Richard Branson, because <laughs> we want to kind of deal with like the, yeah, real there was life. a time when yeah. he probably felt that too, but maybe, sure. maybe he doesn't sure. remember that time yeah. now after all these years. And so one thing your story kind of reminds me of is we, we recently interviewed Robert Green, who's the author of 48 laws of power, Mm. And um, his most recent book, I think, was The Laws of Human Nature. So he just, uh, he's a very, uh, obviously, intelligent man and really understands human behavior, human psychology. And he quotes in The 48 Laws of Power, if I'm not mistaken, um, this death ground strategy, which Sun Tzu also talks about in The Art of War, which is like when you're at like your lowest, like it's like when the enemy can like re realizes like you can attack because they're just at the lowest point. Mm -hmm. And I think he experienced the same thing from what I remember and that's how he wrote the 48 laws of power and then eventually his career catapulted and i think he said if that book didn't take off like he would have been like six feet in the ground like that yeah. he was like back against the wall <laughs> yeah. type of situation yeah. too so. so how do you do, you know i know you said that that's when you kind of in that low point was when you kind of realized all these things yeah how, what motivated you to get out of it and just move to california and go to the chiro do chiropractic and you know move on as opposed to just dwell on the challenges and the suffering and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but there was something inside me that made me realize that was the direction I needed to go. And if you guys think about this for a second, I'd just been, I'd, within the last year and a half of me deciding this, making this decision, I'd been divorced, lost the company. I'd been suing the guy that embezzled money for me. I've been to court six times trying to get my money back from mm -hmm. forklifts to rugs to money, and I was losing. Um, I had two kids, brand new kids. My daughter was not even a year old. My son was just barely a year. So there was really no reason for me to leave that state. Like, yeah. why would I leave? I still had stuff to do. Yeah. But there was something inside me that said, I have to do this. And my decision to do it was chiropractic. I wanted to have something that was respectable, where I could help other people, I could contribute. And in order to do that, I had to go somewhere because they didn't have them in Utah. Yeah. And so I looked at a map and I thought, what's the closest proximity for me to get home to Utah yeah. to see my kids on a flight, a direct flight, yeah. and not have to do layovers and all that shit? We can swear, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've got a potty mouth sometimes. That's <laughs> great. Um, and we encourage it. <laughs> LA was the closest. Kansas yeah. City was close. Seattle was close. But I knew LA would be direct flights, and it was an hour and 50 minutes. I mapped it out. Mm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to work, and I'll, every other weekend I'll fly home and see my kids just like if I was here. Mm -hmm. So and where were you planning on working? Like at the business here in my North Hollywood? Dad's, my dad had a place up in, in North Hollywood. North Hollywood. And so I took over, was the manager there. And mm -hmm. it was stuff that I was familiar with, flooring and all that sort of thing. So it didn't take a lot of brain power. It was you just knew if you just put in. the time in, yeah. You yeah, would, if you I was there and money. I did it. And, you know, ironically, 
uh, in a short period of time, I started working with, uh, you guys remember Clean House? The, it was, H- Clean? It was HGTV where they'd go in and they'd like, oh, yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. Clean the, the show, house yeah. out, oh, yeah, redo yeah, yeah, it, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that was, I started working with them when I first got nice. here. And I uh, thought, this is oh, LA. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's LA. Yeah. So it, I, I had, from the minute I got here, I started having good experiences. It was, yeah. I was sharing with my brothers, you know, how do you like LA? And I said, I can, <laughs> this is a funny metaphor, but I can understand how a gay guy, man, doesn't know there's like weird feelings he's having or something. And then he gets around other people and he realizes, oh my God, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt about LA. Mm. I came to LA and I was like, oh my God, I can like open up. I belong. I here. can be me. Like yeah. this is amazing. So I had these really cool discoveries going throughout that. But um, now I can't remember what you asked me. That was that was the answer. Yeah, well, there you go. And so chiropractic school is three years? Chiropractic school is four years. Four years. You can do an acceler- accelerated program. Yeah. Um, but I did one congruent when I, because I'd gone to school so long prior to that, my credits didn't transfer over directly as hour to hour. Oh, wow. So I had to make up, which I didn't know. Imagine this. Yeah. You're, I'm sitting, I'm registered, all ready to go. I'm sitting in my first class. I've done it. I've done all this sacrifice. I'm sitting in this class orientation. This dude walks in and taps me on the shoulder. Hey, can I talk to you? Go out in the hallway. And he said, hey, we were looking at your hours and we miscalculated. Oh, God. You have another year. Mm-hmm. Not shitting you. You have another year of prerequisites you need to do before you can actually start. Oh, wow. And he, wow. So this is. And it was the dude that registered me. I still I wish I could remember his name. It was the dude that registered me for the class, and we'd gone through this like a dozen times. And he's telling me this in the hallway. Yeah. I'm he's lucky, and I'm lucky <laughs> that, <laughs> that I didn't go to jail. Because yeah, yeah. I was so infuriated. And it yeah. was like that that time yeah. where I, I think as I go through this, I have to call out when people listen to this. You're going to be challenged in the weakest points of your life. And you're going to be challenged with the hardest things you can imagine. Those secret things you keep in your mind you don't want anyone to know, that's where the universe is going to find, and they're going to challenge, it's going to challenge you in that area. So now I'm standing in this hallway, quit my job. Now I'm doing this full time. Yep. And now you're telling me I don't get to see my kids for another year? Yeah. It was the worst experience. And I thought, what do I do? Walked out, called my brother, couldn't believe it. I was freaking out. He's like, dude, just here, let me, let's make a plan. So you readjust. You have to figure it out. And I, I think that's part of what I learned going through school is it's not just school. It's personalities and teachers mm-hmm. and timing and parking. And, I mean, I had... I made this comment. This girl made a comment in the hallway. She's from Israel. She made a comment about 9-11. And I heard... that was around the time, right? You had yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting in school, and this was just after... This was... was it Probably 9/11? like September or October. When the semester started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she oh, makes man. a comment. I make a comment back to her, something <laughs> like... Hey, if you don't like it, go back. You don't have to be in America. Like, what are you doing here? Something. Yeah, along those lines. Yeah, like trying to shut her up, but like yeah. not completely curt. That day, my every tire I had was flattened in the in the parking lot. Like, who's this Jason? Yeah, we're gonna take care of. Yeah, him. and and it was easy to pick it out because it was a 1987 Jeep Wagoneer 
Woody. Remember yeah. the Woodies? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. With with like windows that were this big, yeah. like four feet high. It was like a fishbowl. So that, <laughs> all you'd have to do is from the fourth floor, you look out and you see, that's my Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> and they figured out a way to flatten yeah, every tire. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I think as I, as, I, as I started going through school, I, there were more lessons that I had to learn. For me, a theme in my life was the lessons that I had to learn were preparing me for the next challenge. And that theme has never, still hasn't yeah. gone away. Yeah, because I feel like when you're in school, you're like, oh, this shit's so hard. I can't wait to get out. But then you don't realize that it no just clue. gets harder. Yeah, no clue. Yeah, because yeah. like now it just adds on. Like the challenges, because you never completely like solve a challenge or a problem. And then you're like 90% there and then not another problem. Yep. Now you're 90% there again. And you're like, and then it just adds on, adds on, adds on. And then you look back, you're like, yeah. Jesus Christ, like. It's just problems on problems on problems and nothing's solving and it's just getting more difficult. But thinking back, like, where do you think that, like, trait comes from as far as, like, being in those moments where, like, you're just, like, there's nowhere to, like, no lower to go and, and then it, something still happens and it's like, holy shit, I didn't think I can go this low. And it's, like, at a point where it's, like, laughable. You just, like, laugh it off because it's, like, you yeah, know, totally. Like, how, how, and then how do you, like, where do, where do you think that comes from as far as, like, that... I guess positivity or optimism or whatever it might be that outlook on like, you know what? Like I, you know, I mean, I know it's like the only way is up, but like when you know, when you don't know what direction you're going in, how do you, how do you figure that out? Or how did you figure that out? It, I did figure it out. It took a lot of lonely moments uh, of anger and frustration and pity yeah. giving up. Uh, I mean, we'll get into it about the product, mm -hmm. but uh, cursing the universe, mm -hmm. God, whoever it is you believe in, mm -hmm. um, but figuring out, waking up the next morning and somehow just feeling like I got to keep going. And quite frankly, for me, a lot of the things that got me through was sticking to the things I knew worked for me to keep me healthy and happy. And it was eating as good as I could, exercising, keeping that going, because those are the things I could control. Mm. I could yeah. control my workout. I could control the calorie intake. I could tr I, The things I could control, I just crushed them. I just made sure that I could make those things happen in a day. And, I, and you know, back to what you were saying a minute ago, I think there was something in me that kept saying, like, there's something coming. And you got to yeah. be ready you for it. just don't that. know when it's happening. I don't know what which it is, is. Which is tough because then you have anxiety. You're like, well, when am I going to be? Like, when is that come already? Come? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I think, I mean, I think I go, th I've gone through, I'm, I'm going through it right now. It's like, you just, you know that there is more that can be done and that you can do. And you, d and you don't know, it might happen tomorrow, but, and you have to be ready for it. And you don't realize everything you just said until you look back like retroactively and you're like, Oh shit! Like had that not happened, there it was, yeah. I wouldn't have been in yeah. this position, right? So I think it's more so. I think it's. I think to answer your question, Pat, for me, it's like a lot of it is foresight. It's like just knowing that there are better days to come, and you just have to fucking take it. Also, take yeah, the pain. I also think it's like awareness, like knowing, yeah. like yeah, that self awareness. You're too. capable, like you're capable, yeah. like and and believing in it. Yeah. Like I mean, that's where the positivity yeah. aspect comes yeah. in. There's but like there's two things. Like, there's two things that I found myself reaching for these answers when I was in that spot. I mean, in 2000 and uh, the middle of 2015, mm. I, I, I had a breakdown in my apartment because mm. I, I was, we can get into it if you yeah. want, but it yeah. was, I was at the end. I'd done everything. I'd sacrificed. I had no more money. 
This and is while you're so I guess to hold that thought, yeah, you're, yeah. you you graduate chiropractic school, graduate from you chiropractic become school. a chiropractor. Yeah, so that was did you, yeah. you five years. Yeah, and you open up your own practice, or did you go work? Yeah, somewhere? yeah, and so so this th- is, is there's so many things that happened, but yeah, in 2015, I had walked away from everything to do Theragun, mm-hmm. and it was rough. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, my point is, there's two things that always stick with me, and I don't know where I learned them. I, I think it's Tony Robbins, randomly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of them is character is the ability to follow through with the decision after the emotion of making the decision is gone. And if I had a vibe and I got a flush of goosebumps about a decision that I made, I knew that within days and weeks that decision was going to be challenged at its core. Mm-hmm. And the, the ability I had to hang on to that and be true to that decision gave me this courage to get through. And then The Rock posted this thing about consistency mm. and consistency, man. If if I wasn't consistently doing what I did every day, the universe doesn't get an opportunity to help you. Right. So if you keep fucking around and doing stupid shit, then the universe is like, well, you got drunk this weekend. I can't do anything for you. We can meet a guy at the, selling drugs. Yeah, You spend the same amount of time at a gym doing productive things, helping people, the universe opens up doors for you. It's like that Paulo Coelho quote in right. The Alchemist. I don't, I can't quote it. Pat probably. Quote. Um, when you really want something, the whole universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. You Love ready? that. I, yes, that? but I, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, yeah. Great. Right yeah. when you said The Alchemist, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. it's got to be good. Yeah, well, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah. It's like you have to really want it. Like you said, like the first that f- first gut feeling that you have, like whatever, it's like an idea you come up with or whatever it might be. Something sparks when you're like, this is it, and then like naturally, a week later the world is going to like throw shit at you where you're going to be like, oh, maybe not, it's not such yeah, a good idea. I don't know that but I you, gotta, that. you know, it's like you got to really look at it what it is and just kind of go with that gut feeling. Um, also, there's a lot of factors that are involved. But yeah, it's like that commitment and then like it's the consistency. So right, like commitment and consistency sounds like. That, um, for me, that's, that's, that's also given me an opportunity to be able to understand the signs yeah. and, and see them. Yeah, I mean, maneuver. I, yeah, and I can't tell you. It happens. It comes in waves, and I'll, I'll feel it. There's resistance. You know, I was. I. I. There's another metaphor that I love. That the amount of resistance that you have is directly proportionate to where you're going to end up when the resistance is gone. So it's like a slingshot. The further back I pull that, the further that thing's going to shoot when mm. it's released. So for me. I took this negative association and flipped it into a positive right. thing. I remember Tony Robbins saying, more people, more people do more to avoid pain than they do to gain pleasure. So I would think to myself, what's happening right now? This is a ton of resistance. And now I can sit back and be like, where is this going to go? Yeah. This is going to be amazing when this right. pops out. Well, it's all mindset, right? Like, but had you not known totally. that, you wouldn't have this mindset right now. No. And, and like you just said, I mean... Thank God a lot of those things happen. People say it all the time. Yeah, but yeah. when you're in it, yeah, it's tough, unless man. you have a mind, the right mindset, right. Yeah. You're, it's, it's, you're imploding. But that takes experience and that takes, <clears throat> like, that takes like just building. Like it takes time for that. You're not overnight. I don't think there's anybody at 18 years old that's going to be taking pain no. and then they're going to be like, oh, this oh, is going to be yeah, great. The, yeah. You know, like it's probably going to happen around 28, so 38. Like you're Maybe, like, yeah. yeah it, it, it really is like, you that's know, and so we laugh true. at it, like, you know, experience this and that, whatever. There's times that 
that experience, it cannot be beat. Like you might be smarter than somebody who's older than you, but the experience of like enduring pain, it takes time. Like it takes like time for you to like be beat up multiple times to then realize that it's going to be as good on the positive side. On the like positive the spectrum side. is like so long, yeah. now, right? Because if I've been beat up a thousand times, I'm going to probably have thousand successes like on the end, right? So you're like spectrum increases. Anyways, we could talk about that all day, but I want to kind of hear more about your after you graduate you you started your own practice you said right yeah yeah so how was that like did you so enjoy i'll it? be i'll go real quick so after i graduated the whole goal was to graduate and go back to school back to utah, utah. and practice with my brother and be with my kids okay so you wanted to go back to utah. yeah so yeah. i did it that was a plan so i graduated in 2008 moved back to utah i'm in utah in 2009 into 2010 and i hate it mm. <laughs> it's you hated being a so miserable i hated being in utah oh. I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like the conversations I was having with my patients. You didn't like being a chiropractor? I didn't enjoy any of it. Wow. And I thought, what did I do? And my brother was flourishing and doing well. And he was and, a but, chiropractor as well? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, we were, I was working in his practice. The idea was that I would work up, uh, get my license in Utah, which takes a while, and then I would open up another practice somewhere in Utah. The idea was Park City, Utah. So I thought, that's perfect. Looks like a great plan. But something just was pulling me back to L.A., and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I would argue with it, like telling the universe, what are you doing? I'm here with my kids. That was the whole goal. Yeah, yeah. Like, why, why do you keep pulling me back there? Um, I have a mentor of mine that, uh, that I met uh, when I was 27, who is the ex-CEO uh, of IBM, super, really smart guy. And there are times that I would go and talk to him about this, and he would say, what's your gut tell you? You have to follow that. And there must be something big for you there because everything I tried, and I tried to apply the same thing we were just talking about, this mindset. Maybe mm. I just have to get past this point. Sometimes just, you're just fucking confused and you have no idea what yeah. to do. <laughs> and I would like, I'd, I'd talk to yeah. my brother and I'd talk to my, my buddies and I just, it was, I couldn't, it didn't feel right. Right. It wasn't the same feeling. Mm -hmm. The resistance that I was having didn't feel the same as other resistance that I'd had, and it just wasn't vibing. Or it's like that moment where you like realize like everything I've worked for, everything I've ever wanted, isn't what I want once you get there. Yeah, and that's the whole journey is the reward type of thing. But like you're at that point, um, and you said that you didn't like being in Utah. Did you like being a chiropractor at least, or did you not even like? There that were process? moments where I felt like hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, okay. and and it the tough thing principally was the the sort of practice my brother had wasn't allowing me to practice that way Got it. uh it was more volume and just sort of that thing and which was great for them but i realized which was a great learning experience that's not how i heal i can't heal in that sort of a setting right so uh i ended up moving back to la had no clue what, what i was year be is doing. this this was in this was the beginning of 2000 and the mid early 2010 okay. uh find a friend of mine that's working as a in the workers comp world in in california which is the most worse oh bro let's not talk about it. that's yes. a whole nother podcast let's, let's get over that <laughs> let's not <laughs> talk about that off the podcast. Yeah. yeah yeah so i i got into that and but the the good thing is i started exposing myself to a lot of really cool things a little bit older in life, too, so I had a little bit more experience, and I started, I realized there was a need for this software to be able to manage all these things these idiots were doing. Sorry, guys. It's okay. These people were doing in the in medical world, world yeah. in workers' comp, and there wasn't anything that could help manage 
their practice. So you'd have a Cairo in Pasadena who was a regular chiropractor, but also we would see work comp and, and injury page, PI mm-hmm. patients, and there was no way to manage them. Right. So I kind of helped build this software for that. And I would start, and then I started managing practices, the back end of stuff. Hey, how many patients are you seeing? And what's your front desk girl saying? And what are your secretaries and nurses saying to the patients? What's your flow like? You're capturing all those bills. So I started kind of understand all this stuff, and I just wasn't right still. And all along the way, Theragun's back there going, hey, bro, take care of me. And I just started working on it more. When did you have the idea for Theragun? So in 2008... Before I was graduated from school, I was in a motorcycle accident. Hmm. Pretty bad accident. Uh, tore up a bunch of stuff. Finished school. Uh, didn't have much long, long, much time left. It was not long. So then I had the injury, finished school, started a practice here in L.A. Hmm. before I went back to Utah. Because you, you have to practice for a certain period of time before you can apply for like a, a res- license in like Los Angeles. a residency type of thing? Yeah, it's all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I was here for several months working with a guy here in L.A., um, went back to Utah after my accident. Then I came back, and all of this time, I was still working on refining the product. This was all going on on the backside. And the reason did, was— Did you have like experience to build something like this on your own? Not like this. <laughs> back then. Back then, yeah, I, I, so I'd gotten a motorcycle accident sitting at my house. My brother, who's a chiropractor in Utah, he'd been in a water skiing accident and he had the same injury I had, but on the left side. Huh. And I remember he used something that was vibrating. And so I'm in California after my motorcycle accident. Still, I was practicing part time with my buddy in Fairfax and Wilshire, and I was still finishing school credits and doing this internship stuff. So I called him and I'm like, what was that thing you used? And he told me what it was. And I called my buddy whose practice it was and I said, hey, did you, what, do you have one of these? He said, yeah, it's in a closet. So I drove over there, pulled it out, and I did what my brother told me to do to it and I put it underneath my arm. It's about the size of a Coke can. It's called the Vibracussar. Mm-hmm. And it would vibrate. And the minute that I put it on my body, it made the pain go away. Mm-hmm. And I thought, not away, but it made it less yeah. tolerable. And I thought, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. So I talked to my brother, hey, what did you do? And he's like, I don't know, dude. I just used it on my arm, and I did my own traction and my own rehab, and then I'd use it at, at work. So that's what started the idea. But there were problems inherent with that product that I needed to fix because it wasn't working good enough. Okay. And it didn't have amplitude, mm-hmm. which is the distance the head travels. Mm-hmm. And I learned that by my own experience. 2008, go back to Utah. I'm working with these tools. So in, I need to back up a little bit. I actually was sitting in my house making this product, ma- using this product, and I realized I needed something more. Mm-hmm. I went to my tool shed and pulled a bunch of tools out, and I made something, mm-hmm. and it worked. It had a higher amplitude, and it started, I would put it up in my armpit, and it would start to rattle my body. And I thought, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So I started using that and slowly got myself better. January, February, this is 2008. So got myself better through 2008. Now I'm back to about 100%, but I'm still, this thing's still kind of calling me. I had a patient that had a similar injury that came into the practice about three months after I got myself better. So now this is like September of 2008. I, took, I, I didn't, his injury was similar to mine and his insurance was crappy and I knew there was no way this guy was going to get better. So I said, hey, 
I use this thing. You have a similar injury. I think it might work for you. Let me have you try it. He tried it and it worked. And I thought, okay, what is this? There has to be something like this out there. I'm just not seeing it. This is just something you hacked together. Just something I put together, like a, literally a power tool. Yeah. And it had an adjustable speed, but it didn't have an adjustable amplitude. And like, how much did you have to do like a bunch of research to figure out what the science was behind this? Or you just like, let me just try to like crank this and crank that. Dude, and like, just... I, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> and I tell people a lot of times in 2008, foam rolling wasn't even around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So think about that. So it has like I'm, a bunch of different ridges and like shapes yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all advanced now. Yeah. I mean, we because the science and the research and the need and the technology, everything's kind of driven that direction and supported it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started using this product. I got myself better, used it on this patient. I realized there's a market for this. But more importantly, it was helping me in my practice. Hmm. So I started asking other chiros around, hey, have you guys ever seen anything like this? Nothing like that. Would you buy this? Yeah. How much? thousand bucks. If you could make it, they kind of give me the specs, do this, this, and this, I'd buy those for a thousand bucks. I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I started tinkering with things. Called Kawasaki, ordered a bunch of units, retrofitted them, put them together, started selling them to guys, and they started buying them. And I thought, my gosh, this is amazing. So in 2009, when I moved back to LA, I, I thought, well, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit. I, that's not generating revenue for me. I don't even know what I'm doing. This I don't is have practice. Chiropr chiropr being a chiropractor. chiropractor. Yeah. yeah. So I started doing this work comp thing. Now I'm kind of bringing that back. So Got I started it. doing this practice, practice management, helping guys. In the meanwhile, Theragun or whatever it was. Called. In the meanwhile, I was kind of like I, I knew it was there. And I was always thinking, like, what's going on with that? Why would that leave me alone? But you knew, like, it was going to take a whole process to, like, I didn't figure even out know all that. Oh, so Honestly, I didn't even know that. <laughs> you weren't even there yet. No, I just, yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to make more of these. I don't know how to make them. Yeah. In order for me to do this, Mass I'm going to have to investor. Yeah. And I just, it didn't even cross my mind that it would be what it is today. Not even close. I mean, in a crazy world my brothers and i are sitting around shooting the shit we're like bro wouldn't that be so cool if it ended up yeah maybe but yeah. not like this you didn't you didn't see that far no yet. yeah no and i think it's important that people understand that i i my intention of doing this wasn't for this mm -hmm. my intention of doing it was to get it in the hands of people that knew how to use it that could help people mm -hmm. that's what kept driving me because i would see these lame tools these guys would use and i thought I've done that with this. It makes it so much easier and so much faster, and it feels better on the patient. And I didn't understand what it was doing scientifically or anything at the time because you couldn't Google percussive therapy. Right. It wasn't it was even a, out there. Not yet. even a thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were, but it was for kids that had cystic fibrosis that mm -hmm. couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. So that's the only percussion like really, that was really extreme out there. Yeah. yeah. Banging on their back to get them to yeah. breathe. <clears throat> so, anyway, I made, came back to LA. Made some products, realized I was getting some traction. Uh, my brother was working with a woman from China in 2000 and middle of 2011. So now I'm kind of cranking away doing this. 2011, he takes me out and introduces me to this lady. And she's like, hey, I can get these for you. Tell me what you need. So a guy comes in from China, helps me pick these products out. I was, still wasn't making these. Found a manufacturer that would spec them out the way I wanted them spec'd out. Never in a million years thought I'd hear from the guy again. We're meeting in Ontario, California, and he flies back to China, and I'm like, see ya. Yeah. Won't see that guy again. Like three months later, I get a product back. My brother calls me from the office, and he's like, dude, you got to check this out. I think he made it. I'm like, what the hell? So he brings it home. We start looking at it, and I thought, 
I got juiced. I'm like, whoa. He just like happened to just could really he do say this. he was going to do anything. He just made it. No, he, he, he couldn't speak English. Yeah. But he saw something in it. He saw like He was like, got really excited. And, yeah. and I, I was in the, it was like a room just like this, guys. I'm telling you. Translator there. He was right there. And my brother's on the other end. And I'm like, I kept looking at him like, he, he doesn't know what I'm saying. I'm drawing stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> you want to know his name? China Bob. Oh. I'm not kidding. That was his name. It's on his business card. China Bob. <laughs> I wish oh I had that. God. So he takes it, makes it, brings it, sends it back. But the problem I had is the attachments. Mm. He couldn't make those. He didn't know how to make. He didn't, I didn't know how to make them. I, I knew I needed something, and I had made some in the past that really worked well. And so the consistency of the foam at the time that I felt like was right was the same consistency as, the, as a yoga block foam, mm. those, block, yeah. those blocks. Mm. So I found a company that would, that would make spheres of that. Got it. Well, guess what those are? They're practice golf balls. Mm. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Yeah. So I found a bunch of those, and that's what I would use. So I started making those. Right. But that wasn't scalable. I yeah. can't. I tried to call these guys. I'd, hey, I want to buy 1,000 golf balls. They're like, what? You don't have an account with us. Mm. It was a tough thing. Anyway, um, this was in 2011. 2012, I'm working. 2013, I'm working. On the case management on stuff. The, on the case management stuff. And, and I'm still working with Theragun. So I'm doing these double duties. Was it called Theragun back then? Uh, Theragun didn't come. The name Theragun didn't come. We would just call it, uh, I think we, I'd just call it therapy or something. But Theragun didn't come until 2014. Mm-hmm. Sitting in a, with my buddy, practice, this doing practice management. It's 2 a.m. We're sitting at the, the, um, SAG building mm-hmm. on, on Wilshire, right by the, mm-hmm. the par- tar pits. And he yells from the other room, dude, I got it. And I go run in there. I'm like, what? And he said, it's Theragun. And I was like, Theragun? He's like, yeah, like therapy and gun. We'd had some drinks. So was it the same design back then? Mm, it looked like it looked like, More like at a- the time. No. Okay. It looked like a jigsaw. <laughs> so yeah. I it, and I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" So we kicked the idea around a little bit, and then it kind of stuck. It was actually Thera Guns with a Z. Oh, you went the Z I'm route? Glad you guys yes. That Z. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, yeah. We dropped the Z. Yeah, yeah, good, Z man. was ugly. Good call. Good call. My kids will tell you <laughs> stories about them cutting the Z off yeah. the end of our la- of our logos, our labels. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool story. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I, you're doing this all this stuff, and you're like doing the case management stuff, and the Theragun's kind of like a side project at the time. Yes, um, yes. but they're both side projects, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, did you think that that was going to eventually end up being like what you went all in on? My goal at that time was to generate revenue doing this consulting, so that I could spend my time doing this with Theragun because you saw the opportunity. I, there was an opportunity there. I started at the time. I started. In, in, I started working with pro athletes and I started being around more of them and seeing, wow, there's a performance effect to this thing as well. Um, well, you're just like testing it on them or like well, you're working on 2000, to be fair in 2000 and, uh, 2012, I had an opportunity to work at, um, Unbreakable performance okay. up in Hollywood. Yep. You guys know where that is? In yeah, the yeah. Pink, is that, pink is that Rob Go? Rob Go's involved with that? Uh, I think he is, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Jay Glazer was involved mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they gave me an opportunity to have a room that's a little bit smaller than this room we're in now. And I would treat guys, NFL guys, in the preseason from 6 a.m. to about 10 or 11 a.m. Hmm. 
So I, I would, that's the first thing I'd do in the morning. I'd go do that. And then I'd spend the rest of the day doing my practice management thing. Hmm. Well, I started to see at the time I was just warming them up before workouts and then getting them after workout. And I was doing a lot of things. Theragun was just one of the treatments I would provide for them. And they, then they wanted to buy one. Then they would steal it from me and go upstairs and use it. And I'd have to go upstairs and yell at the guys, like, what are you doing? Terrell Pryor, like, what are you doing with that? You don't even know how to use this. I would a lot more trouble than just stealing the therapy. I should say stealing it. They would borrow Borrow it from my room. Borrow it without permission. (laughs) AKA embezzlement, but that's okay. (laughs) I didn't say that. Yeah, I did. (laughs) So there were were these opportunities and glimpses of what I thought this could be. And the fact that these guys knew how to use it, but there was nothing really like that. Right. The new, nearest thing to it was called the DMS, and it was around since the 70s. The guy that created that did it for horses. So it wasn't really in my sort of world or my realm. I know realm. someone that does that now for horses. Treats horses? Yeah. It's a really cool thing. Sells like $20,000 like units. Yeah, that the, the vibrate and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. horses love it. Yeah. I, yeah. Seriously, I could. When I, you told me about it, I was like surprised. There was like a yeah, whole yeah, thing behind that. that. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. it's That's funny crazy. you don't think about it. But dogs no. and horses, animals you have, have the same nervous system we do. Yeah. So you tried it on me and it feels great. So I was like, <laughs> maybe you're like, a horse. I like it. A horse feels <laughs> like it too. Like, you know, yeah. So, Jason, I remember you had said earlier on in the podcast about 2015 being like a really like you kind of were in your apartment and you said you just broke down. What happened? I reached my end. I, I, I had met this Chinese person. She was my business partner. My brother was my business partner. We were going to start doing this. We got a bunch of units shipped over. I figured out the attachments. And I literally was down to two units left. We'd ordered 500, 400 units. And I was down to two units left. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd quit my practice. I'd gone all in. And I had no more. You sold the other 498? Yeah. Just dropped them, like just placed them, hoping that it would generate business. And it was, but I didn't have, I didn't have more units. Did you have the money to buy more units? No, or? I had nothing. Okay. So, so all the, the money, money that I was, was like using, I was live. using to live. Yeah. The Isn't money the I made. Pursuit of Happiness movie <laughs> where he has like that yeah. one. Like, Will uh, Smith. It's a great, yeah. great movie. Yeah. He has like two of the units left and one gets stolen or something. I don't yeah. know. That's one. literally how it was. Yeah. A guy calls me. So I, I think this is a really fun story. I'm, I'm, I literally had a breakdown. I remember I fell asleep face down in my bed, bawling my brains out. Like just, I was done. I fell asleep, woke up the next morning. Okay, I have to do this again. Stay consistent, practicing the things that I knew I had to practice. Got worked out, ate some breakfast. It's 11 o'clock. Guy calls me. Hey, I'm at the gym. My name is so-and-so. Can I, I want to buy one of these products. And I had one left. And I said, I don't have any more. And he said, I'm going to come to your house. I live right here. Where do you live? I said, Manhattan Beach. He literally pulls upside, comes upstairs, sits down, and starts to talk to me. I didn't know who he was, but he had money. And he said, I want to help you. Get in the car. Come with me. We're going to go talk to my wife. I'm not kidding you guys. Go to his talk to his wife. They have a lot of money, and they wanted to invest in me. So that gave me that little bit of boost where I was like, okay, the universe heard me, and here's my answer. But there was something about that situation that wasn't right, and it kept telling me that. How did he hear about it? At the gym. There was some there random was some dude who had, had one at the gym, and he loved it. And he, the it. guy goes, yeah, he lives right here in Manhattan Beach. And another trainer in the gym knew me and had my number, asked him, hey, give me his number. I'm going to call him right now. And that, literally, I found out later that's how it happened. Wow. And th- Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 
Go ahead. I was going to say, um, I feel like this happens all the time with entrepreneurs and people who are kind of creating something, whether it's like a software or, or product or whatever, where it's like, there's this hesitancy to put it out there for whatever reason. You're, you're afraid someone might steal the idea. Like that at, at this one. point, I don't even know if you're thinking about patenting it or whatever it was. No, I'd, but I'd tried, but I didn't have money. You didn't have money. So now you're like putting it out there. But there's also that positive side that a lot of people just miss where it's like, if you put it out there, now people know about it. And mm -hmm. chances are like, if someone wants to help you, now they know about it and they can help you, right? Like it sounds like that's what happened. Like you yeah. just threw it out there yeah. and people loved it so much where the word just kind of spread and I felt stars like, aligned in a way. Yeah, for me, they were a little seeds. Yeah. And I learned early on because I was really reluctant to give it up to certain people. If they weren't going to pay for it, I'd have to think in my head. And I'd never done this before. I'm a chiropractor. And this is like, really like influencer like... marketing back then where you're like, <laughs> yeah. what's the benefit here if I give it for Instagram free? Instagram was barely even taken off. Yeah. So like, if you think about all of that, that's another part of our story too, how we grew with Instagram and that really has helped mm -hmm. us in our business. So Why do I feel like that story ended up not being very positive? Because uh, the there was something about that situation that wasn't right. And I didn't know how to tell the guy that. And I could, I kept thinking, I'm arguing with the universe, thinking this, like, here's my knight in shining armor, and I, I can't do this. And it was just something wasn't right. And it, thank God, I listened to that. Uh, so I you met, didn't, so you didn't take didn't, the investment. Didn't, didn't do it. No. And it what, was. What was it that told you that something? I don't know. It was a gut thing. It wasn't anything logical. I promise. Was it anything about just like having an investor on board or just like nope. taking money from somebody? Nothing to do with that. You, no. you wanted to, was it like, I didn't care. I would, I'd saturate. I'd give him 50% <laughs> if he wanted at the time. It I wasn't mean, like pride or ego no, or anything where no, you're like, I want to do this it, myself. I honestly can tell you it wasn't that. You don't know what it was? It was, it, it was just something about the situation that wasn't right. And okay. we talked about life experiences up to this point. That's one of the things I'm grateful for mm -hmm. that I, I started to learn how to listen to my gut. There was something about it that wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And as small or large as that voice was, I had to listen to it. And, and I've learned to listen to that. That's something that even guides me today in my business with things we're doing, who we hire and people I work with and those sorts of things. I, there's just something about my gut that gives me a check. Is this good or not? Um, and if I try to analyze it too much, you get, you know, they say analysis by paralysis yeah. by analysis. Like that's usually what happens. So I just go with it. I know, I know we hear this all the time <clears> and I, 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 I'm, I totally agree that that's like a, you know, something that we sh a lot of people should do when it comes to especially business decisions. Like it's not always the best, but like in many cases, if you have no other option, it works. But why do you think that is? Like what about it? Or how do you even like train your gut to like tell you the right things? Like you can't, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, for you, what, like, how have you, what have you seen? Like as far as like the things that you've experienced or been exposed to or done in your life that have, have in a way indirectly trained your gut to tell you, Hey, like, this is the you right know, I, Interestingly thing. enough, I think for me, it's people. I know that's crazy, but it's meeting people. Mm. I met so many different physicians, you know, up and down the coast of California and seeing them and just getting a vibe from them and just learning what, what, it, what was that first vibe yeah. and did that su support itself? And then eventually I'm like, yeah, that first thing was right. Mm -hmm. So for me, even with my kids, I try to teach them. Your gut will always tell you, and you need to listen to it because it will teach you. So for me, that that's really what's like subconsciously happening. as you're exposed to things, whether it's people or experiences or just moments in life, that those things kind of come back in those moments where you're like faced with a decision, and it's like you, it's just kind of like this like highlight reel in your head of like all the things you've been exposed to, and and that kind of I guess tells you, yeah, this is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I really think it's a little bit of that too. Yeah. You know, like 
I mean, I could, we could probably philosophize right. about that. <laughs> but I think the interesting thing for both, all three of us is you kind of know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And most people do kind of know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But how you hone that, I think, is everyone's sort yep. of their thing, mm-hmm. being able to hone that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, I've had people argue with me, and that's not right. You're wrong about that guy. And, and I wouldn't argue back because I'm going to be serious when I say this, but it's not me saying it. It's something else telling me that. So it's not my opinion. Look, my opinion was that guy had money and I needed it. My opinion is I take that money. But there was something that was saying, that's not the right place. Mm-hmm. And were you right? <clears throat> yeah, it's 100% right. And I'm so glad I didn't do it. So what happened? You had one unit left? I had one unit left. I had an a, a NFL player was getting treated in Orange County with the product, a guy that I knew. But we hadn't talked for many years. He, they use it. What the heck is that? He sees it, takes a picture with his phone, goes out in his car and Googles it, sees me on the internet. And he calls me. He's like, dude, like this is yours and my website guys at the time, <laughs> FTP stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I want to invest. And he had money because he played in the NFL for 13 years. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the guy. He gets it. He knows the, he knows the, the pros and he knows this whole thing. and He's got all these connections. Here's my guy. So we go through this sort of dating period over the next 30, 60 days. Uh, they take me to meet with their money guy because we realized we needed money. And this is a crazy story, but the, I'm, in the, I'm meeting his money guy, his money manager. His money manager's son's in the room, and his money manager excuses himself, so I have another client next door. I need to go. I'll, hopefully I see you guys before I leave. Da, da, da. So we're sitting in there, and he comes back five minutes later, and he goes, guys, Something hit me. You need to meet this guy. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, man, don't interrupt us right now. Yeah. We're on this flow. I'm about to get some money. Yeah, I'm like got <laughs> 500K sitting ready, yeah. ready to get. This guy comes in, sits down, and that gut thing said, he's your guy. And so I thought, what the heck? He starts talking. Everything he's saying is making sense. And he gets it, and he knows what we're supposed to do, and he gets the brand and everything. And I'm, and these guys yeah, just are laid like, out your business. He in just front like of you. you should do this. You got to do this. You need to go here. You got to do that. This is how you do it. I built these brands before. Blah blah blah. He's been at Oakley, and I'm thinking, guys, this is a no brainer. He's the dude. We need to have him come and be our CEO. And he leaves like, no way, we're not doing that. So we get out in the car. We're driving back to my house. Who was that guy? His name was Matthew. Great guy. Um, so he, I, we get, we're driving back to my house and we're having a full on argument, yelling at each other in the car. And this is like, like as they're about to invest, like they haven't even, invested they're going to write a this check. This is you yeah. and the NFL player arguing? Yeah. This and, is like and another NFL once. player. So there are two of them Yeah, <laughs> and they're big guys. So we're in the car and I'm yelling at them. You guys know what you're doing? They're a pretty big guy too. Uh, <laughs> and we get back to the house and I, and I swing in and I thought, I have to go with that guy. Yeah. So I gave it a couple of days. I kept trying to convince these guys, like, hey, he's the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy. No, he's not. I call him, and I said, hey, can we meet somewhere? I feel like you have some answers. Least you could do is maybe help me, and I'll pay you to help me or something. We go sit down, and he's like, you need to get rid of those guys as soon as possible. I've got someone I need to introduce you to, but I need to prepare you to introduce this guy because you can't mess this up. He does that, basically introduces me to my business partner now, and that was the start of a magical dream coming true, to be honest. Wow. Meeting this guy, having him put together both the finances that we need, the team that we need. He's helped 
more than anyone I've ever met build this to what it is today. So that's, that's kind of how I met my current business partner. From there, we, we released the G1, which is the one I'd kind of honed up to that point, created some cool marketing and, and packaging. The day we started selling our product, we started creating the G2. Literally started, I, I had a design that we wanted to work on, so we started designing G2. So I, we released, so in, in January of 2016, we started the company. June of 2016, we released G1, started working on G2. In August of 2017, we released G2, and we started working on G3. In January of this year, we released G3. Um, and then in April, we released the Live and the, and the G3. Sorry, January released G3 Pro. And then in April, we released G3 and then the Live. So what's the difference between price the products? Points. Uh, start, I mean, initially, they're price points. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have different features and stuff. It's a little bit like getting a MacBook. You get yeah. like an Air or a yeah. Pro, or depending on... And I'm sure over time you realize like what the different price points were. But when you first like put the G1 out there, like what was the price point? Like what's, what was the reaction you got? <clears throat> the, the, after, after you got this whole like... The yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah. The, the, when I first started selling it to the guys at Unbreakable, I wasn't trying to sell it to them. I was selling it to chiropractors. Because mm-hmm. I thought, what does this athlete know what to do? I don't know what they're doing. Right. I mean, they did. So I started selling it for five ninety nine, mm-hmm. and at the time for them, that was a relatively affordable price for what they were getting. And there was nothing on the market that they could compare it nothing to. Nothing right? like so it. So it was like whatever. If, if there's that much value in it for me, then I'm going to pay. Yeah, it. they're like, yeah. wow, it's amazing. I love it. And if they did cash, I'd do five hundred. And I mean, it was just me. I was doing my thing, and I was I was trying to establish a value. I didn't know what the value was. And like, again, foam rolling wasn't out, vibrating foam rolls and all that stuff. So I didn't have any sort of reference. I just knew what I could do with it. And I knew if I could teach them what to do with it, it's worth that value. Came with two batteries and different attachments. And so it, it, uh, the price point when I came out with G2, we could have raised the price because it cost more to make designing. And I mean, there was a lot of money went into making that, but I thought, I don't want to do that. Mm. Like that. I hate when companies do that. Hey, you want a new iPhone? It's twelve hundred dollars. I just paid three hundred for the last one. Why is so yep. much more? So I didn't want anyone to have that experience. Um, and then the G three came out, G three Pro, and we didn't raise the price. Same price point. So you always wanted to keep it. It's the it's same. that price point. You know, we should do better on our manufacturing side to lower your to lower the price. Yeah. We have the this G three is amazing. I mean, we worked with MIT engineers from sound engineers. Um, construction engineers that can help us build the product. I consulted with a guy from Formula One, buddy of mine was from NASA. Like that thing, a lot went into that thing. And so when the G three comes out, right? Like, is the idea that like like you do you still sell the G two or I mean at that point if it's uh, we price? did for a little while and we they're still available. We we do an exchange program. So this is what's kind of cool and I love this. All the G ones we sold, our goal was to get them back. And replace all of those with G2 Could pros. those be recycled into new products? And what we do is we take all the G1s and we donate them to the military. Ah, okay. That's so cool. we had, I did 350 to uh, a bunch of veterans. Um, you guys, there's nothing better than providing something like that to a vet. To have them experience that feeling for the first time. I mean, they're grown guys who are hard asses crying. Yeah. 
thinking, oh my God, this is the answer. I don't have to go to PT at the, wherever I go. I can do it at home. Yeah. Yeah. So we realized that that was an opportunity we had because there's a lot of guys I work with at a place called Sornex in in South Carolina that work really closely. They're a a weight room um, racks and they, they, if you go to USC or something like that, Mm -hmm. they deck out the whole thing from flooring to customized labels and everything. Got it. Those guys are involved heavily in the military. And I got an opportunity to see these guys and there's no one better on the planet that could use these than the military guys. So now we're working with a, a, a foundation to get this to guys that are going into boot camp, mm. and they don't get therapy. Just they like just get military, their ass kicked. Like a military contract. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the military will not let you donate it to active military. You have to sell it to them. Well, would you be able to even sell if it's to for them? one dollar? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you have to get in their system. Right. And to get in their right, system right, is right. like, you know, it's, yeah, it's like making a one-time concoction. It's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we're working really hard to be able to get those and provide them to the military. So to answer your question, we do still have some G2s, and there's a lot of people that have them. I mean, I worked on a celebrity just recently that has both the G3 Pro and the G2 Pro, and he's like, I kind of like the G2 Pro better. Hmm. But the, there's a lot of differences in but ergonomics. In your, like, in your eyes, like or the company's eyes, like you guys are improving every single time. Improving every time, yep. There's yeah. things, even on... Even on the G2, right when it came out, I realized there were things I needed to fix on it. The noise was a big deal with the G2 Pro. How, how, how long do you think that goes, like, as far as like, new iterations of it? Like, is well, there so many things that you think? There's always still... something. I mean, there, are things, there were things available for us on the G3 Pro that weren't available for us on the G2 Pro. From a, like a supply just, chain perspective? No, like, just from innovation. Uh, I, there's, there, I mean, think about what phones were 10 years ago and what they are now. This stuff, the things we're using from our batteries, lithium-ion batteries, bro, a lithium-ion battery three years ago was yeah. four times the size of what it is now. Right. So think about that. So now we can have a longer battery life, shorter charge time, and less volume and weight in the product. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge win. Yeah. So there's things like that that just if we change that, makes a big difference in in the use and the experience you have when you're using it. And so how does the exchange work? Like they, they send it back and they you get send like it a, back we, and it just kind of works differently. We have different promotions and stuff. But if you had a G2 right now, I'd say send it in, send me 200 bucks and I'll send you a G3 Pro. Got it. Okay. Versus so it's, paying the full price. For, yeah. I don't want right. you to pay the full yeah, price. Yeah. And yeah. if we do large quantities, there's things we'll work on guys. There's gyms and stuff where they just want to, hey, we have 12 G2s. Can you work something out? And then we do some sort of promotion. We always, our ultimate goal is we want, <clears throat> look, guys, this thing connects people. Mm-hmm. I mean, from Serbia to Sweden to Germany, Dubai, Korea, I could go down the list of countries I've been to, and I've watched this happen. It connects people. It connects husband and wife. It connects mates. It connects the physio to their patient in a way that nothing else does. This provides a feeling to people they've never felt before. Mm-hmm. I made a joke the other day, and I was talking to the interview. I said, we only use a, a small percentage of our brain. This experience is in the part you don't use. It exposes you to an area of your brain you've never felt before. So it, what our ultimate goal is when we have exchanges, that there's an, an ability to expand on that connection. And if we can take that and re connect with someone like vets, then that's an amazing opportunity for us. We don't want them sitting in our warehouse and selling them on eBay or whatever. That's not like that doesn't perpetuate what we're trying to do. 
ultimately as the founder of this company, I want people to connect with their bodies, understand their bodies better, understand health. Most of our aches and pains are musculoskeletal. They're not like cancer. Yeah. And God forbid you get that. That's not something that I ever would wish on someone. But I think we ultimately think the worst. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're not familiar or, or aware of our own body. Yeah. I have carpal tunnel. Oh, my God. I have this numbness and tingling in my hand. What is that? It's carpal tunnel. That's musculoskeletal. You can fix that with this. You don't have to have surgery. I mean, I could go down the list, yeah. guys. But what was it like? I mean, like, like you said, like when you put the original product together, you kind of just hacked it together. Like, yeah. at some point, like, where, how did the, like, the, like, how did you start putting, like, integrating, like, the actual science behind from it? From the, from the beginning. When yeah. I look back on it and I was treating myself, I didn't realize it, but I was, I was learning and experiencing. Yeah. So what I realized is, I'm going to share some really cool stuff with you. Yeah. Your skin sends information to your brain at 260, 70 miles an hour. If you have pain in a joint, sprained an ankle, pulled a hamstring, that's on your pain pathway, mm-hmm. and that gets to your brain at 55 miles an hour. What about shoulder pain? Because I have that right now. Right? Shoulder pain <laughs> is sending it in like Fred Flintstone's thumb. Yeah. Just burn, yeah. So slower. So it's sending it in at 55 miles an hour. If I took that Theragun and I rested it on your arm, your forearm, not your shoulder, and I rested it on there so it was stimulating your skin... Within about five seconds, your brain is paying attention to that mm. and not your pain in your shoulder yeah. because it's getting there faster. Got Think it. about that. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. So it's yeah. essentially tricking <laughs> the mind. Exactly. If it's an elevator pitch and someone says, what are you doing? I say, I am messing with your neurology. I'm fucking with your brain. But in a positive way. In a huge positive way. Yeah. Is, so, there, is there any negative impacts of that, like on a scientific level? No. No, not not as far as we can see. Yeah, uh, and I've I've people look. We all have knives in our house. <laughs> Do we cut ourselves every day? Right. No, because we know how to use them, right? right yeah. So it's the same thing with this right, therapy. Right, right. Yeah, you, it's, it's funny you said the muscul- musculoskeletal thing because like I'm talking years ago. I was like maybe almost nine, ten years ago. I remember I was at some event. And I like was, had like left arm pain and like I thought it was like heart I'd attack. Read, like, oh, left arm pain. He's ever having a heart attack? And I was like tripping out like. And my parents like literally took me to the ER and were like, they're like, this kid's like 18 years old, like he probably doesn't have a heart attack, you know? And I'm like, and they're like, the blood pressure's fine, everything's cholesterol's fine, like they did the whole lipid panel, everything's fine. And then the doctor comes, he's like, oh, you just have like a musculoskeletal issue, like one nerve is like pulling on another, causing like your left shoulder to hurt, and that's just causing like your, sorry, your left arms and your chest to hurt, and now you feel like you're having a heart attack. Yeah. But it has, it's nothing more than like... A few like nerves and like your muscles like fucked up. It's it's like, like the TOS, thoracic outlet syndrome. It's like this little spot right here where it gets tweaked. Yeah, and it's yeah. still fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's crazy that like we just it's a lack of information. Totally. And was the idea going back like when you first like put the G one out there? Was it to only sell to like chiropractors and and folks like that, or was it supposed to be like a commercially available product to everybody? Well, initially what we wanted to do is get it into, so we realized that this required some education and it kind of, it does. Any new invention and innovation does. So we thought, okay, how can we sell and educate at the same time? Because it's different than anything that was on the market. Mm -hmm. So we realized low hanging fruit, athletes, easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, my first trip my first large sale was to the New England Patriots, Woo-hoo-hoo. right? At the beginning of 2014 no season. Champions. 
Listen, all right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. People ask me all the time, do you I'm take a, the credit? I'm, big, I'm never going to take the credit. There's I'm too a big many variables. Patriots fan. Are you? Big, big time, yeah. So, sorry about that. So, I flew to Boston, met him at their hotel. First open, now that you're talking about it, your shoulder hurts. <laughs> it's like my left arm is in pain now. <laughs> I'll treat you both before yeah. you leave. I flew to Boston, went into their hotel. It was the first uh, preseason game of that, that year. They ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. Uh, and I sold 22 units wow. as fast as I could sell them. To the players, individual? To the players. Ah, so it wasn't the well, goal wasn't to sell it to the Patriots, it was to sell it to the individual. No, because I'm like, what are they going to buy, four? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so I thought, no, the players, I just want them to use it because sex, Instagram's sexy if an athlete's using it. Instagram's yep. not sexy if my mom's using it on her foot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. That's not even cool. My mom didn't even have Instagram. So why would I sell it to her? I want to sell it to them. Yeah. And I used that because my mom uses it on her feet all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I figured so I, I started selling it to them, but then Joe, the head trainer, came down to the lobby. I was literally, guys, I'm not kidding you. I was sitting on a bench in the lobby with this huge bag of Theraguns, and I was selling them as fast as I could sell them. Huh. Some guys would take pictures. Other guys, Hightower was still there. Yeah. Is he back? Yeah, he is. He's, he's a badass. Yeah, dude. he's fucking nuts. So one of the guys, his name's James Anderson. James, Sounds like you didn't sell it to Gronk. If you're listening, Gronk wasn't there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. This is back in the... It was, it was before... He wasn't there yet. Uh, <laughs> if James Anderson's listening, he is a godsend, amazing guy. So James introduced me to a lot of players. James standing next to me, played a joke on me. He says, I knew who Hightower was, but I didn't know his reputation. Yeah. He's like, hey, that guy would love to take a photo with you, take a picture with him. Really? So, and I wasn't asking anyone. If they wanted to, I would or whatever. So I'm like, hey, bro, do you mind if we get a photo? And he's like, what? Like, just stared at me. And I'm like, I laugh. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I don't fucking take pictures and walked away. <laughs> I turned around to James. I'm like, you're a dickhead. I'm so pissed at him. That, that, that every time I see Hightower on TV, I'm just like, Okay. I fell for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the back to your question. Physios, chiros, and athletes were what I considered at the time low hanging fruit. Okay. And, because, did, and and like speaking of Instagram, like, was that in your mind back then? Like when was this? Yes. How, yes. How long, yeah. So at this time, this was 2014. Okay. Yeah. So in so. 2013, I'm working at Unbreakable, mm-hmm. and I'm watching this happen. These guys are using it. And they're, they're not injured. It? And they're posting about it. Yeah. And they're like, hey, look at this. And they're fucking around using it for stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pat McAfee was there. You guys, if you know anything about him, he's just a total he's, screw he's off. crazy. But he's, dude's an athlete. Yeah. Like, insane athlete. Yeah. Uh, he was there, and he's fucking around with it. And they're like, watch how fast I run. And they're chasing each other yeah. around. And I'm, I'm watching this happen, and they're posting, and I'm thinking – under Armour and Gatorade used athletes to get their word out. Right. Why can't I do the same thing? Mm-hmm. So I realized right then I'm going to do that with the athletes because I have access to them. I'm treating them. I work on them. It's a different relationship when you're a chiropractor. I'm yeah. not trying to market through them. Right. And they want to help me. Was your, but was your idea Genuine's to like send them like one free of cost? No. For them to post? No. It's just to sell it to them. I'm like, guys, like, these cost me money. Yeah. Right. And I'll work for you on, I'll work on you for free, but you got to buy the product. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Donald Penn, you guys know him? Mm-hmm. Played for the, he plays, for, is he still playing for the Raiders? Biggest, he's as so. big as that window pane. Yeah, he's fucking massive. He's one of the biggest dudes in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. He's like, he was in the Buccaneers he, at one point, no? Yes, he was. Yeah. Then he went to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He, I said to him, he's like, 
I want one of these. You, you should give it to me. I'm one of the best players, blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, if you can stop it on your body, you can have it. And I knew he wouldn't. He's got like 100 pounds of torque. There's yeah. no way he could. Yeah. Yeah. If he hurt himself, like maybe. So he literally for three or four minutes was like just in his quad as hard as he could. He's like, fuck, okay, I'll buy it. He couldn't stop it. That's funny. So it was my experience was around those guys, and I could cultivate it because I was around them a lot. Yeah. I also realized if I had another market that I was working at, I'd have to break away from what I'm doing to go do that. So chiros and physios, I was around them all day. And athletes, I'd see them every day in the morning. So I thought, I'll just do it in this market, and they'll share it with me. Chiros and physios are touching a lot of people, and yeah. it'll expose it to a lot more people in a way that it's the proper way because they know how to use it. And did you have some sort of like program set up with them where it's like, hey, if they you know, recommend no. it to one of their patients, no. it was just purely like, yeah, I'll just let I just, it go. I just like, wanted to get it out there. Huh. I, I had no idea what was going to come next, but I had nothing to lose. So I thought, you know what? I'm just yeah. gonna sell it to these guys. So when was that moment where like it became like did it just slowly kind of become Well Yeah. This what I'm telling you right now was before the moment that I was sitting at my apartment <laughs> oh. wanted to give up. Ah. This all happened before then. Okay. So fast forward, now I'm sitting there, and that's when I went through that experience where I ended up meeting my business partner I have now. Huh. And thank God that I did, because I'd I had exhausted all I had personally. I'd, I'd given it all, sacrificed my kids, money, where I lived. I'd given everything. Mm -hmm. Looking back on it now, I was nuts, like literally. I don't know that I would do it again. I would do it again knowing where I'm at. Right. But that's, I literally think about it sometimes. What about it, though, like specifically makes you think you were nuts? Like the amount of to grind. me it sounds like you you had like this higher purpose that you wanted to fulfill like for yourself and you just like didn't take no for an answer like you just tried everything and you fucking made it happen so like i don't know for you like what about it were you like damn like going back i wouldn't have done it again because of that there's a lot of little things i wouldn't have done yeah um but it was just the amount of grind it's, it's a lot it's a lot yeah it was it was 10 years of grind mm -hmm. I mean, 10 years of it's working two jobs. and When you're in, in like your 30s, not like when you're in like 18 yeah, years old. Yeah, like at that late, point, 10 like years is 30s. not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And now, now I'm in 40s, yeah. if you think about it. I yeah. mean, I'm 43, 44, and I'm, I'm grinding like I'm 25. Yeah. The but time, that keep, that's what keeps you going, obviously. I heard Gary Vee, actually Gary Vee like said this like two days ago on like something where he was like, I'm, you know, he's in his 40s too, and he's like, I feel like younger than someone who's probably 24, 25 yeah, and doesn't, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, and at that moment. It's all mentality. Like you, you don't know what you're doing with your life type of situation. I was looking at this. The, I was in, I was in um, Marbella, Spain. Um, heard it's beautiful. It's amazing. <laughs> and they had this soccer camp that's an international soccer camp everyone goes to because it's like 70. It's gorgeous. And they have this brand new training facility that a friend of mine slash distributor of mine, of ours, helped build with all their products. And he said, hey, I want to take you out there because I, I want you to meet these teams that are there. Sweden, a bunch of international teams mm -hmm. were there before they go back. It was still kind of cold. So I walk in this place and they had a big, they had big screen TVs all over the place. And they were running on loop, just a bunch of random videos. And they had Theraguns. So they logged onto YouTube and downloaded some videos. So they had some videos running of old videos that I made. Wow. And they were, they were made in 2015, 
And this was earlier this year, guys. I had no gray in my beard. <laughs> and I'm standing there looking at the camera like, what the hell? That's like 20 years ago. So, yeah, it wears on you. Wow. What I was curious, what is your role currently at Theragun? I am founder, obviously, mm-hmm. and head of performance development. Got so it. I create, I'm, I'm in charge of the studies. We have six studies currently going on right now. And I manage those, uh, which is really involved. I, I, we build education. Um, and then I'm involved in the business. I mean, the we had, yeah, day-to-day website, promotions. We're still building products. I had a meeting today about some attachments I'm trying to build. So, uh, Going back to my question about like when was that moment where it, like, it started feeling like after all that stuff happened where you met your business partner, uh, was was there a moment where you're like, wow, this is going to take off and like it's just going like apeshit right now? Or is it was it like a gradual kind of slower? No, you know, there were moments build? of that. Yeah. Um, when when we my business partner had an office in Beverly Hills, and we were sharing, he was, he had a real estate office, and we shared that office, and we were in a little eight by ten room and a little desk, and our shipping room was a, this triangular, weird shaped, twelve by kind of twelve space, and we were shipping like ten units a day, and I remember thinking, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, 10 units a day is pretty good. That was a big deal because up to that point, I would have to go label them, package them, go to FedEx, ship them. I mean, I was losing my ass on shipping because it was every time you'd ship one, it was overnight, especially because I wanted these guys to get it the next day. It was like 40, 50 bucks. Right. So did it come in the big case back then too? It was like... it was the, the G one was just in a small box. It didn't even have a case. Yeah, I I had these little tool bags, like you know the canvas bags you put tools in, mm-hmm. but it looked too much like a tool bag, so I just stopped selling them. Yeah. Anyway, I the you asked a question about um, like the moments where you like yeah. Knew. So when when my business partner came to me and said we need to move, and we're going to move to this place in in Culver City. That was like, oh my gosh, we're actually gonna have a place. Why did you need like why did why did Because we were think growing? That? Okay, so like oh yeah. you, you didn't even know like how how no, much you're growing. And he's, he's like, just, Hey, <laughs> look, we have the G two coming. Yeah. We have a bunch of inventory coming. We we need to move. Yeah. And we need to hire more people. Uh-huh. So in April of two thousand seventeen, we had kind of this wave of new people hired. So we hired like there were nine people at the time. That was crazy. I thought, oh my God, that's insane. And how do you think back then, like, how, what did you see that showed that you guys were growing? Like, what was that growth indicator? Was it, it was, how much people were just talking about it on social media? Or was it that? That was one. Website hits. Ironically, like yeah, yeah. Website hits. We'd rebuilt, we'd re kind of branded our website. We'd, we'd come up with a better logo. Um, and, and the website started to become a machine. Yeah. So that we were getting orders and, and we were fulfilling them. And then it, it became scalable, and then we had a warehouse guy, and then it, it just started to kind of come together. And a yeah. lot of that stuff was stuff my business partner managed. I was still doing bet death sides in, in New York, trying to get media out there involved, and a lot of that was our own scrappiness. I mean, we didn't have PR companies. Yeah, and <clears> speaking <throat> of scale, you mentioned scalable, scalability, and like I, I know like a lot of people preach like, you know, recurring revenue and like predictable revenue and like being able to like, I mean, like I know for investors and things like that, it's, it's really important. That's why you see all these tech companies, like, because it's like a subscription model or something where yeah. they have a certain amount of money coming in. They just get the client once and now it's like recurring. How does, how do, like, 
I know with you guys, you're selling a product. Um, did you ever think like, like how is this gonna kind of every single month like repeat itself? Like how are these people like when they buy one Theragun like? Besides the swapping out program, which came later, yeah, like, and that's not even was like it, an every monthly thing. Yeah, either. exactly. Yeah. Like, was it like was there was there ever a worry? Like, wow, like how do how are we going to replicate this month? Yeah, month? of course. My business partner, that was one of his concerns. He's, he said, once you buy one of these, you, you're done. Like, yeah. you don't need another one. Um, the the material and the construction we made the attachments out of, they don't really wear out. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not like you need a new one. Right. And that's the so whole talk- argument with like Apple is like, oh, at some point, like their shit like breaks down and like, are they doing that on purpose <laughs> for people to rebuy it? But it's like, you want to put a quality product Definitely. out there. You're yeah. standing behind your product. Yeah. You know, it's like, then that's the problem you deal with. Yeah. And, and we found a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of my experiences are from experiences. A lot of my knowledge is from something we've done. It's not something that someone taught me. So what we learned is once you're a Theragun person, you stay a Theragun person. You start using this product. You start, start telling other people. And there are people product. that want to collect them. I have a G1 and a G2. I need a G3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't you want to swap them in? No way. I want to keep them. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Um, but also, it's an, I feel obligated to continue to evolve and make better products and make better programming so you understand how to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the obligation on me is to help people from a server at my favorite restaurant, Manhattan Beach, know how to use it during his breaks, to my mom on her feet, to a person at Equinox that trains Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Because the truth is every human being on earth can somehow benefit from every this. Because everyone being. deals with pain, physical yep. pain. yep. So I, there's part of the story that I, that I'd like to tell sometimes, but you guys haven't asked it's along what you're saying. Yeah. I was sitting in a room just like this with my business, per, current business partner, his name's Ben. And, and I just treated him. So he just had the experience and we're sitting here and he says, what do you want to do with this? And I said, I want every human on this earth to have one. Mm-hmm. And he said at a time that that really motivated him because he does invest in companies. He had a, at the time he had a, uh, what do you call them when they do startups? It's like a... Incubator. Incubator. Yep. So he had, and he'd had three other startups going at the same time he did with mine. He said the reason he latched on and really enjoyed what we were doing is I didn't say, I want to be a billionaire. Yeah. I want to sell a million of these. I want everyone to have one of these in their house. I want to and sell as seven a, billion of these. Yeah, seven billion. <laughs> yeah. As, a, as a chiropractor and a healer, yeah. I see the value in this. And it's different than vibration tools. Right. It's different than some of the other products on the market. It works fast. It works good. So mm-hmm. anyway, we can start pitching the product. <laughs> <laughs> I know we can keep on talking about you one know, other question short. I had. I don't yeah, know yeah, before we it. wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I know you mentioned like throughout this kind of like common thread. Uh, we talk uh, talk about like just kind of the mentality and the mindset and everything, kind of dealing with these tough shit that gets thrown at you as you're like in your journey. Uh, you mentioned that you exercise and you can clearly see that you exercise. Um, what, how has that been like an impact? How's that made, made an impact in your life? Um, overall, like throughout your years, if I would, I'll say this bluntly, if I wasn't, if I wasn't in shape, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. It, what I do requires physical fitness. I mean, what about the mental though? It's hundred percent the same thing. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, pushing myself to a point every day that you want to stop your body, everything around you is telling you to stop. And that's from a hit workout that day that includes clean and jerks and 
curls and upside down push up. I mean, all these different things you're doing, but getting through that yep. is it makes all of the other things you're doing in a day bearable. I can do this. This is okay. I'm used to this. I feel a ton of lactic acid and a, and a lot of I want to quit, but I'm not going to. And and I've I've worked enough on that that these things in life, you guys saw me in the parking lot when you pulled up. I was dealing with an issue. It was a pretty big issue. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my mind is the same thing during that conversation. Oh, my God, I want to stop this. Can we quit? But I'm not going to because it's not what you do. You just keep going. Yeah. So if I'm at 19 curls and I'm supposed to get to 20, I'm going to get to 20. I'm yep. not stopping. Yep. So it, to answer your question, it, it 100% has supported me mentally and physically. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously for your industry, it makes a lot of sense, but I just think in, for any industry, like anyone who's a founder or just like, you know, creating something or like just putting themselves in these like high pressure situations where you're not kind of just doing the nine to five thing and like the kind of same repeating thing, even those people, but like more so like just being able to get through your day um, by having that one thing where like, obviously there's so many benefits of exercise, mental and physical, like just your blood flowing, like the testosterone, whatever it might be. Um, but also, like you said, you can control it. Like that's something that you can control. Like even if nothing in your life is working out, at least that like one hour, two hours of your day, like it's, you know, go time. Like yeah. you control that shit. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. It, there's something about sweating. There's something about pushing yourself to your limits. Um, there, I know physiologically there's things that happen in your body as well. And when your body's healing and healthy – it can handle a lot of this other stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that instead of me because it would sound like I'm like pitching that you have to work out and somehow you got to use a Theragun or something. I'm, pitch- I'm pitching you have to work out. And if you work out, you're probably going to need to use a Theragun. <laughs> <laughs> I need to use a Theragun right now. There's a, there was. <laughs> I have one last question and it's very different than anything we've ever talked about right now. But Pat knows this question. We used to talk about this question oh my God. back in the days. Here goes. Um, huh? Here goes. Oh, this is going to be good. This has nothing to do with Theragun. It has nothing to do with you. Nothing. <laughs> If you were to create your own flavor of frozen yogurt, what would it be? Whoa. <laughs> I, just one? I can't come up with like more than one? If you could even come up with one, that's fine. Yeah, My own two. flavor of frozen yogurt. Are you asking for a... An existing flavor or like my own concoction? Your Anything own you concoction, want. Someone, yeah. here, here's an example. Someone said gasoline flavor weird yeah. like something that you can smell that smells good that you want to taste <laughs> but you can't someone said <laughs> 19, 1942 tequila i mean you know like Ooh. Yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah, okay yeah, yeah. you know you know what i mean wow well the first thing that came to mind was i would do brownie caramel marshmallow Okay, wow, just some, really some, sweet. Yeah, just, just anti-exercise. Yeah, yeah, total, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah, against yeah. it. Yeah. But now that you say that, there's you guys have you ever heard of marcipan? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I would probably have a marcipan flavor. Okay. Now see that's a good answer. Yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, well, Dr. Jason, I know we've had amazing conversations on this podcast so far. We had great conversations before. I'm sure we'll have more in the future. 
And I think everything that you had to share from the struggles of your journey early on and to the challenges later on and the challenges currently and all the successes, I think there's a lot of takeaway for people that are listening. And I really hope that people really tune in and really kind of digest your story. And one thing that, you know, stuck out to me, I'm sure Pat too, was just the story of perseverance, you know, just keeping keeping up and keeping on going mm-hmm. and not giving up and even even and it's realizing never, never that too it late sucks. i know that's a big thing yeah. right now it's never yeah. too late yeah and if you have if, if, if you can't get an idea out of your mind you're gonna eventually it's gonna come back to There's bite a reason you yeah and, it's, and you're gonna do it yeah. so you know thank you again for your time and taking so much time from your night and spending it with us and i really do hope that you know this friendship continues and we'll see where theragun goes and whether it's G4, G5, or G12. <laughs> G12, uh, yeah. 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 Um, we'll be here along for the journey as well. So it's been a blast. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, you guys. This, these, these opportunities are really cool, and, I, and you drilled me some good questions. <laughs> thank <laughs> so you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.